started last week, covenant pruning, the pathway to destiny. Covenant pruning, the pathway to destiny. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for your mighty Holy Spirit. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would guide and lead us during this study. Begin to make the mystery of God clear and plain to us by way of the word of God. Reveal Jesus Christ to us. May we see him by way of the word. He is the word. And so we ask, Holy Spirit, reveal our Savior to us as only you can. And Father God, we'll be sure to give you all the glory, all the praise, all of, all of the honor for every manifestation of your Spirit tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to uh, start in John chapter 15. Uh, we're going to use this uh, during this series as our foundational text. John chapter 15. Verses 1 through 2, and this is the Master Jesus Christ talking. He says, I am the true vine. Amen? I love it, I love it, I love it. He is the true vine. Letting me know that there's many vines, but he is the true vine. Amen. And my father is the husbandman. He's the gardener. My God, you know, uh, <laughs> funny, I, I went home, uh, I believe it was Saturday, afternoon and uh i'm not i I don't have a green thumb at all (laughs) but uh i saw the rose bush and it needed some attention (laughs) and i got the shears or whatever they call them the little sharp scissors and i went out there and i began to prune them I'm not, it's not something I normally do, but I just saw those, that there were some dead uh, branches that need to be taken care of. And as I pruned them, as I cut them, it began to become real to me, the pruning of God. How God prunes us. I say he takes away those unnecessary things. He cuts them away in a loving way. And so... uh, As I did that, uh, it just kind of reminded me of the goodness of God. Amen? Uh, Discipline may not seem uh, good for right now, but it'll bear fruit later on. Amen? And so that's, that's I believe this series is a good series. Uh, We're going to learn some things from this uh, about how God loves us into obedience. Amen? It says here in verse 2, Jesus says, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. All of those dead um, manifestations in our life, he takes away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. And so that's what we're talking about. Jesus says he purges it, not to kill it. Sometimes you feel like you might die, right? But he wants just to bring forth more fruit as he teaches us and as he disciplines us by way of life's trials and 
tribulations. And that's what we're going to talk about some more tonight. I said last week I knew I wasn't going to get too many amens, but uh, that's okay. We're growing, amen? Uh, Pastor Goodluck used to always use verse 3. Now you are clean through the word, which have, uh, I've spoken unto you. So the, the Holy Spirit cleans us. Jesus cleans us by way of the word of truth. Uh, let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And we'll get into uh, our study. Well, we've touched on this last week, but I wanted to revisit it today because I think it's very, very valuable that we uh, see what Paul sees in terms of uh, pruning, in terms of the discipline of the Lord and the reason for it. We touched on these things last week, but I do want to go back over them again. In verse 4, Paul says, who comforted us in all of our tribulation, in all of our trouble, God comforts us. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. We found out last week that the reason that God comforts us is so that we can comfort those who are in any trouble. He, he allows us to experience some things in life so that we can become better ministers to those who we come in contact with. I, I truly believe that. That we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. How? By the comfort wherewith we are ourselves are comforted of God. So as God comforts us, it makes us well able then to comfort others with the same comfort that we've received from the Lord. He, 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 he dries our tears, amen, so we can dry somebody else's tears, amen. He loves on us so that we can love others. As he has loved us through the trouble, through the difficulties. Amen. Verse 5. For has the sufferings of Christ abound in us? So Paul said these sufferings from time to time, uh, they, they abound in us. We go through various seasons where th these abounding troubles come our way. But uh, we have learned through Scripture that we are in covenant relationship with God. And these things are not meant to destroy us, but they're meant to prop us up, hallelujah, and bring us up to another level of glory. We found that out last week. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounded by Christ. So again, there's this consolation that we experience. As we are going through the difficulties, as we're going through the trials, as we're going through the fire, God consoles us. We begin to understand some things about us and about God in those times of testing and trial. One of the things that we learn is the faithfulness of God. God is faithful. No matter what it seems like, no matter what it looks like, God is always faithful. May not seem like it at that time, but it's a contradiction. God has not forsaken us. He's promised us that he'll never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us, even though the tribulation may be strong. <clears throat> Verse 6, and whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation. Again, Paul 
constantly making us aware that the afflictions that we experience are for the benefit of not only us, but others. This is strong meat tonight. This is strong meat. You know, because a lot of times we don't view that, view it that way. God is always pruning us for a purpose to make us more effective in the earth as the body of Christ. So he uses, again, uh, even elements, God, God, God doesn't put the curse on us, but he uses elements of our fallen nature and the things that we encounter because we live in a fallen world to strip away from us the carnality that hinders us. To uh, dispel or eliminate the Adamic nature that is still resident in our souls because of our association with Adam through sin. So God has to use sometimes painful things to bring about a manifestation of his glory and power. Amen. And whether we be, verse 6 again, and whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. Verse 7. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so shall you also of the consolation. So again, he's constantly reminding us that there's going to be suffering, there's going to be difficulty, there's going to be trial, but there's also going to be a consolation. God's going to put his holy arm around us and uphold us and keep us and love on us even though it seems like he may be slaying us. What did Job say? Though he slay me. Yet will I praise. Okay. But it's all for the purpose of getting us to our destiny. We always have to keep that in mind as believers. And that's one of the reasons I, I entitled this covenant pruning. God is constantly trying to get us to that place of destiny and victory. That thing that he's placed in your heart. He has not forgotten about it. Though it may seem like he's forgotten about it. He has not forgotten about it. But he's taking you the long, hard way. Amen. And that's okay because he's faithful. Verse 8. For we would not have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Now this is mighty, mighty scripture right here. That we were pressed out of measure. <laughs> How many of y'all have been there? Pressed out of measure. Above strength. <laughs> you, you ain't got no strength. You, you're dependent on God for your strength now. Uh, you, you know that you're not going to make it unless God intervenes. 
you know that you're circling the drain. And unless God's power it manifests, you're simply not going to come through this one. And that's what Paul was feeling. He says, pressed out of measure, above strength, in so much that we despaired even of life. Felt like he wanted to die. Felt like he wanted to just give it up. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the one who wrote three-fourths of the New Testament. This is the man who had divine revelation from God. Yet, he was experiencing something that was so traumatic and so difficult that he despaired even of life. He felt like giving up. How many of y'all have been there? He felt like giving up. But you didn't give up. The reason you didn't give up is because you are in covenant relationship with God. And this covenant pruning is meant to bring you to that place of victory and glory and power for his kingdom glory. Okay? Always remember that. When you're, when you're crying and when it doesn't seem like it's working out for you, always remember that God is right there, never leaving you, never forsaking you. He's always strengthening you. But you have to go to him and believe him for it. Amen? So he's, he's pressed out of measure, above strength, in so much that we despaired even of life. But we had this sentence of death. This is the reason that, that God allowed this. We had this sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves. You know, you know when you're going through what you go through th- at the most difficult times of your life, it's meant to get you to that place where you're not trusting in your own ability to deliver yourself. Ah, I wish I had somebody. Uh, where, 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 you, where you know that, that you know that you know that it, if not by the might and power of the Holy Spirit, you're not going to be able to overcome this one. God, God is serious when he talks. He says, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by my spirit, saith the Lord. There has to be a divine dependency on God and God alone. That's where he wants to get us to. Where we're, we're not depending on ourselves, we're not trusting in ourselves, but we, where our trust is in God, the Bible says, who raises the dead. Hallelujah. And verse 10, who delivered us from so great a death. So Paul's testimony is one that we can grab hold to. Even though he was despaired of, of life, even though he was going through this very difficult time, he got the deliverance that the, that the covenant promises him. Who delivered us from greater, so great a death and doth deliver us. Whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. So there's deliverance. Even though you may be going through the fire, there, God's going not, you're, you're going through the fire. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. It's the shadow of death. I heard one preacher say, the shadow of death never uh, bothered anybody, never killed anybody. It's the shadow of death that we're going through. So we have to, we have to maintain that perspective. And we said last week, if you want to be in leadership, just be prepared to suffer. Just be prepared to suffer. You're going to have to go through the pruning process. You know, I was really ignorant when I got born again. I really was. I was so stupid. I thought 
Really. And this is what I thought. I thought when I got saved, all my troubles would go away. I really did think that. I really did. And I was like, because here's what God does. When you first get born again, all your prayers get answered just like that. I mean, everything just happens just boom, 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 boom. Every prayer is answered. And you got this, this, this divine peace. The devil is not even bothering you. You know what I mean? Six months later, there you go. So, six months later, all hell breaks loose, right? And you'd be like, what's really going on, right? But the thing about it is God allows these things because he knows that he has a call upon your life. And uh, he's going to use those things, those opportunities. I call them opportunities. Those opportunities for the testing of your faith has a means of developing you and maturing you and bringing you to that place where he wants you to be in the image of his son. That's what he wants to get us to, to where we begin, begin to look more and more like Jesus. And it's a journey. It's a journey. It's a true journey. So the pruning process is, is a necessity for every believer. Nobody skips it. Nobody skips it. Uh, let's go to Mark chapter 10. And let's look at something. And let's look at verse 35. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we desire. <laughs> Tell a baby Christians, right? Whatever we desire, whatever we want, whatever what's going to make us happy. And he said unto Jesus, said unto them, what were you that I should do for you? And they said, grant unto us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory. (laughs) So they want, they want to be in in a place of authority. They want to be in a place where they're, close to Jesus because they know Jesus is going to be the head and they want to be around him. So they want to be, you know, up there in authority. But Jesus says something very interesting to them. You know not what you ask. (laughs) He said, you don't, you don't understand the gravity of your call, the call. You don't understand uh, what it's going to cost to live close to me, to experience me on this level. He says, he asked a question. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of? He's asking them, can you suffer like I'm going to suffer? Can you be rejected as I am rejected? Can you experience 
the difficulty of a close relationship with God on foreign territory. That's what he's asking. You know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized? Of course, they said unto him, we can. Just like we do. We say we want this and we want that and we want this, you know, this, this uh, authority. And God wants to give us the authority. I always teach on that. God wants us to experience uh, the authority in Christ that the Bible promises. But there's a cost to it. There's a cost to it. There is a price to be paid in terms of um, experiencing uh, the uh, backlash, so to speak, of hell and the things that hell will throw at you. Jesus says uh, unto them, because they say we can't, Jesus said unto them, you shall indeed drink of the cup <laughs> that I drink of and with the baptism that I am baptized with, with all you shall be baptized. So there he was telling them that you're going to experience some things that uh, are uncomfortable. You're going to experience some things that uh, you're probably not going to like. You're going to experience some pain in this life simply because you have chosen to follow God. And that's, a, that's, a, that's just a true statement that Jesus didn't lead them into deception he wanted them to know that there is a cost to this. And he wants us to know tonight that as we go up higher and higher in the spirit, that there are things that we're going to experience in terms of pruning, in terms of God taking away some things, in terms of uh, the, car the carnal nature, that's going to be painful. So he's not leading us into this in the dark. He wants us to know that, hey, uh, to follow Jesus is to bear a cross. Amen. And so we need to, we need to really understand that. I, I think I made a statement last week. Um, a lot of people say they, they like to be a preacher or whatever. If you ain't been called to be no preacher, don't be no preacher. Because you need to do what God called you to do. And the reason I say that is because it's a lot of stuff that preachers go through that unless you call, you ain't going to make it. <laughs> as simple as that. This is not a game. And whatever God calls you to, it's still going to be a price to be paid in that. So whatever God calls you to, grab hold of that calling with, all, with everything that you have, knowing that this is where God has positioned you, and when you, begin, when you begin to experience the pruning or the suffering, you'll be well able to withstand it because you know that you know that you know that God has called you to this place. And there's a confidence that you have when you know that God has called you to a place that you can endure things that you couldn't unless you had that knowledge. So when you know that God has called you to do a certain thing, you will be able to do it because God will give you grace and power to withstand the crushing. I don't, I don't, I'm not preaching this to make you afraid. I'm preaching this to just give you understanding concerning the process. It's a process, okay? <clears throat> Let's go to Luke chapter 14. 
in verse 20, 25. I had put in my notes verse 23, but I, I really want to start in verse 25. And there went great multitudes with him, talking about Jesus, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come after me, this is strong, and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and, his, and children and brothers and sisters, yea, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Let that sink in, what he's saying. Now, when he says hate, he doesn't literally mean hate, but he says they cannot come before him. He has to be first. He says, you can be a follower of mine, you can be a believer, go to heaven, but you can't be my disciple. You can't have that close relationship with, with me unless you put me first. Okay? Now, to a lot of people, that's suffering. To a lot of people, that's, that's very difficult for them to do because uh, they're so... Uh, it, uh, close to their family, close to their, their situations, close to their, their social situations. But Jesus says you have to make sure that you put him first and even your own life. All of your ambition, the things that you uh, want to do, the things that you uh, think that you want to do in your life, Jesus is saying you have to put that on the back burner. And, and one of the things that, that I pray often now to God, I say, Lord, I'm 61 years old now, and I really don't have much ambition anymore. I really don't. Uh, the only ambition I have is to be your child. That's where I am right now. I just, I just want to be his, one of his sons, you know what I mean? And that's, that's all I want to do. Uh, so there's, there, there is a price to be paid in terms of uh, saying that uh, you have to put him first. That's what he says. You cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower sit it not down first and count it the cost? whether he has sufficiency to finish it. So he says, you have to count the cost. So when you're going through the pruning process, understand that what God is doing is he's trying to get you to that place of destiny. You constantly have to think that way because this is the cost for you to get there. The pruning, the, the, the pain, the difficulty, the, uh, the, the, the denial of self. You know, uh, there's an author. Uh, have y'all ever heard of Watchman Nee? You ever read some of his stuff? You got to read that slow, real slow. <laughs> and you got you to maybe read a little bit at a time because he talks about the uh, carnal nature and the crucifying of the flesh. And uh, typically, uh, when you get born again, uh, most of the time, that's, that's the route God takes you. 
in terms of uh, the crucifying of the flesh. He allows you to experience what Israel experienced. He allows you to hunger. He allows you, and, to, and the reason for, for that is to bring us to a place of humility. Again, uh, constantly reminding us that we need to trust in him and him alone. And so that's what Watchman Nee talks about a lot is the inner man and the outer man. And uh, the cross, bearing that cross. Uh, not not allowing this life to be more important than God. Not allowing the things that we desire to be more important than the call of God upon our lives. And again, uh, he said, if you can't do that, you cannot be my disciple. You can be my child, you can be, you're going to heaven, but you can't be my disciple. There's a very big difference there. Verse 28, well, verse 29, I'm sorry. Least happily, after he had laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king set it not down first and consulted whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else while the others is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage and desired conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath cannot be my disciple. So again, the suffering, that's part of it. That's just the isolation, so to speak. The uh, swearing off of the world and all of the world's delicacies. Not that God doesn't want to bless us. We talk about the Abrahamic covenant, that there's blessings in it. But uh, God does not want the things that he blesses us with to become more important than our relationship with him. Okay? It's vital that we understand that. And uh, the pruning process a lot of times reveals whether or not we, re- we really love God or do we love the things that he blesses us with. Because sometimes he'll withhold things from us that we really want. I ain't getting too many amens. But he'll hold, withhold some things from us that we really want just to see how we act. Just to see how our attitude will be. And I don't know about you, but I've flunked the test sometimes. Okay? I'm just being open and honest. But here's the thing. When we pass that test where the blessings are not more important than the intimacy, then God will open up and give you all of it. That's how it works. That's how it works. So, let's go to Romans chapter 8. That's, that was tough. All that was tough scriptures. <laughs> but it's going to get better. Amen. So Paul says, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be re- revealed in us. So he says the, the suffering that we experience is nothing compared to the glory that we're going to experience when we come out of the various trials and difficulties. 
You're going to be stronger than you were before you went into the trial. You're going to be more able now to minister to those who are broken because of, again, the consolation that you've experienced from God. As he's dried your tears, you'll be able, again, to console others who are going through similar difficulties. See, if he, if he translates us immediately to heaven, we miss all that, right? That's what, that's what you know, a lot of times, well, just take me to heaven. Well, no, he wants to... Uh, use us here on earth, but he can't use us to the degree that he wants to unless he first prunes us and enables us to, to cause us to become more and more like Jesus. Okay. That's the whole key to it. <clears throat> now, again, let's go to Deuteronomy. We touched on this last week, but I want to put our eyes on this because the way he dealt with Israel... He deals with us in a similar manner because, again, we're in covenant relationship with him just like we are, just like uh, he was with Israel. And it says here in Deuteronomy 8 and 3, He humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed you with manna which thou knowest not, neither did your fathers know, that he might make you to know. This is what he wants to do, that so that we can, he takes us through the difficulty, he takes us through the hunger, he takes us through the thirsty period, so that he might make us to know that man does not live by bread only, but by every word, somebody say every word, every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. So he takes us that to that, that way so that we can be the people who only rely on the word. That we become faith people. Okay? That we become people that know the word, that trust the word in any and every circumstance. No matter how dire or how difficult it may be. That we got a promise from God and we're willing to stand on that promise come hell or high water. Having, what would Paul say? Having done our stand, stand therefore. We learn to do that in the trouble. We learn to do that through the testing and through the trial, through the fire. When, when, uh, when others would have given up and quit, we stand because we have decided that we are going to be people who trust in the word. Who trust in every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I, I look, I may look forsaken, I may look cursed, but the Bible says I'm blessed. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, being made a curse for me, for it is written. Cursed is every man who hangs on the tree, so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through faith in Christ. So even though it looks like I'm dying, I'm not dying. I'm not going to die. I'm going to come out of this because the blessing of Abraham is mine. Hallelujah. And the inheritance is mine. But I must endure the contradiction. I must endure it. And again, I remember uh, many, many years ago, after I got saved and I was sitting on my front porch in Fifth Ward 
And uh, my cousin came by. And I was telling her how good the Lord was. How awesome God was. And I remember her telling me, she said, because I was going through. <laughs> I didn't look blessed. I was really at a period in my life where I was really being tested. And, uh, but I still, you know, was telling everybody how good Jesus was, you know, and I was telling her, she said, well, Roy, if God is so good, why, why are you going through all this here? And I, at that time, I really couldn't answer. I said, well, I don't know, but all I know, he's good. But he was, but he was taking me through that, that difficulty because he wanted to get me to the point where I understood no matter what my circumstances were, the word of God is still true. Okay? And that's where we have to get. We have to get to that point where it doesn't matter what the bank account looked like. Doesn't matter what the diagnosis from the doctor is. Doesn't matter. We get to that point where we know that we live by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. Okay? And we have to just get to that point. And that's where God wants us, where we rely only on the word of God. Now let's go to verse 15 of that same chapter. Who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, (laughs) wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, (laughs) Who brought thee forth out of, the, out of the, who brought you water out of the rock of Flint. Who fed you in the wilderness. I remember I, hear, I heard, remember teaching, uh, many years ago. I think it was Joyce Meyer. Why the wilderness? Why do we have to go through the wilderness? This is why. This is why. So that we can get to that point where we trust God no matter what. Who fed thee with who fed thee in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, that he might prove thee or test thee, to do thee good in the latter end. So God, he will test us. He will test us. He'll never tempt us with evil, but he will test us. And, and, and he tests us with, with, uh, a lot of times with difficulties. To see if we'll keep the word. If we'll, if, we'll, if we'll trust him. Abraham was tested. Remember him? God, God said he gave him that promised child. He told him to kill him. And Abraham was ready to kill him. He, he had that knife. He was going to kill him. He was going to kill that boy. And God said, don't do it. He says, now I know. Now I know. He tested him. And, and that's what God will do. He'll, he'll, he'll get to us, he'll bless us with the promise. And then he'll find out, I want to find out whether or not the promise is more important than my relationship with you. And if you're willing to sacrifice the promise, whatever that thing may be, God says, I can give you everything now because I can trust you. But, but it will, our faith will be tested. That was a great test of Abraham's faith. It really was. But he, because Abraham knew something about God. He knew that even if he killed that boy, God was faithful. God was going to raise that boy from the dead. Abraham knew that in his mind. That God cannot lie. 
And whatever God is asking you to kill, know that if you kill it, it can be resurrected with something better. Amen. Let's go to 1 Samuel, and I believe I'm going to close there. 1 Samuel. Verse 23, chapter 23, I'm sorry. David is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. I love studying his life. And every time I, I, I read about David, it just encourages me. This, this, was a, this was a champion. This was a godly champion right here. It says here, but David had to go through <laughs> some stuff. You know, uh, David was what, about 17 years old when, when uh, God started anointed him king. But then he had to go about, through, about 13 years of pure hell. Pure hell. Uh, just imagine, because a lot of times we, we imagine that we, we want that kind of anointing on our life, the strong anointing on our life. But just imagine for 13 years, literally 13 years, every day when you get up, you're thinking this might be your last day. Because Saul got thousands of men hunting you down. The king is looking to take your life. And uh, we, have to, we have to realize that that's real. That's some real stuff. So whatever you're going through today, God sees it. And God knows the pain. He knows the, uh, how you're feeling right now. But he has not forgotten the promise. Now he says here, the Bible says here in verse 14, David abode in the wilderness in strongholds. That doesn't look like the palace, does it? That doesn't look like the throne. I mean, the anointing came on him. Samuel anointed him with oil, told him, you're going to be the next king. But it doesn't look like that right here. He's, he's living, he's literally living in the wilderness. No telling what he's eating. He's not eating the finest of food no more. Uh, in the wilderness and strongholds. And remained in the mountain in the wilderness of Zip. And Saul sought him, look at that, every day. Every day. He got the Saul, not only Saul, but all this Saul's army. Saul commissioned some of the finest warriors and soldiers in Israel to chase down one man. And this man got to wake up every day with that on his mind. Man, Saul is actually trying to kill, literally trying to take my life. I know what God promised me, but the, there's a contradiction going on here. Because it don't look like I'm ever going to get where God told me I'm going to get. And in your life and in my life, we will see the contradiction. We, but all it is is pruning. All it is is God preparing us, getting us strong for the thing that he have in store for us, for the call that he have upon our life. So don't despair when it's, when it's bad. Don't despair when it's hard. I know it's difficult not to, but have a covenant mind that the God that we serve, is up to something. He's up to something. But God delivered him 
not into his hand. And that same holds true with you. David, his life was the life of a champion and a vessel purged in the heat of adversity. And that's what's happening with some of us tonight. We're being purged in the heat of adversity. Some of y'all are going through things that you ain't never went through before. The most challenging time of your life you're going through right now. But God is using it. He's going to use it to prepare you. See, to be able to carry what you got to carry, you got to have something on the inside of you. But we say last week, and I know I, I stole that line from Joyce Meyer, uh, God is looking for people with not wishbone, but backbone. Amen? A lot of Christians do have wishbone, but they got no backbone. But what God's trying to do, is he's trying to give us some backbone during those times of adversity, during those times of fire. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Father God, we thank you tonight for the ministry of your Holy Spirit and the comfort that we receive from you as we experience the trouble and the tribulation that we sometimes go through. We are mindful that your word says, if need be, there will be seasons like this. We don't live in difficulty. We don't live in tribulation. We don't live in trouble. But we do from time to time experience it. And it's at your hand. You're using uh, these things to prop us up, to build us up, to make us champions in Christ. And so, Father, we thank you tonight that, we, that you love us and we certainly love you too. Because you are causing us, O oh God, to possess our inheritance. Maybe not in the way that we would want, but that's okay. You're God and we are not. Have your way, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. And amen. God bless you.